Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call 646 727 3070. 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com/pgame. Send messages to the show on Twitter. At go for it, can't G O F O R I T G A N T. And while you're there on Twitter, at go for it, can't give your boy a follow at go for it, can't. Great show lined up for you today. Super Bowl 51 here and upon us. We're going to be joined by one of the stars, two of the stars, I should say, of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have Nots. Actor. Philip Boyd will be joining us at 7.10. And actor John Chafin will be joining us at 8.05. So, and those guys are big-time Falcons fans. So we're going to talk about talk to them about this upcoming Super Bowl. You know, talk about some of the things going on with the haves and the have-nots. Very popular show. A lot of people watching it. A lot of people talking about it. But as, you know, so let's let's get right down to it. And as we get right down to it, we, of course, we're going to talk LeBron and Barkley. We, we're going to get there. We got to get there. We got to talk about it. You're going to get my opinion on that whole situation. And, you know, it's it's interesting situation. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. We'll get there. And then we'll talk about, you know, Melo and the New York Knicks and what's going on there and what the future holds. Formello in New York. Obviously, it may not be in New York, but we'll talk about it. Michael Vick calling it quits. We'll talk about the legacy of Michael Vick. So we'll get there. We got a lot to get to, a lot to get to, and we'll most definitely get there for for sure. Super Bowl 51. The world is watching, has descended upon Houston, Texas. You got the Patriots. You got the Falcons, two teams playing some very good football. And obviously, you're going to need to play very good football to get to this point, which is the Super Bowl. And so you look at the Falcons, six-game winning streak, big-time offense, Matty Ice hasn't thrown a pick in a long, long time. You know, a long time. 18 touchdowns, zero picks. I mean, this guy is just putting up some serious numbers during this six-game win streak. During the playoffs, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. That prolific Atlanta Falcon offense averaging 40 points per game in these playoffs. So they're getting it done. Most definitely getting it done and playing some big-time football. And Matty Ice, you know, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions during the regular season. But Matty Ice now, an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And we'll see if he can do it. And then you got Brady and Belichick. 
You got Tom Brady and Belichick. And it, and it seems like it, it doesn't matter who walks through that door, whether it's David Patton, whether it's Troy Brown, whether it's Jermaine Wiggins, wh wh whether it's Gronk, whether it's Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez, whether it's Deion Branch, whether it's Randy Moss, whether it's Chris Hogan, whether it's Julian Edelman, whether it's Martellus Bennett, it doesn't matter. Tom Brady's going to do his thing. He's going to play some big-time football, and he's going to put his team in a position to win. Ain't no doubt about it. And you, as you go into the Super Bowl, I'm conflicted. I, it's hard. It's hard to go against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It's hard. I, I just – it's hard. And, you know, it's – to add to that, that defense. I mean, that New England defense, I think you can move the football on them. The Steelers were able to move the football on them. But one thing that they don't allow you to do, and to me the most important metric when you talk about a defense, is whether or not they allow you to score touchdowns. Whether or not you're, you're have, you have three on that board, or six on that board. They know how to stop you from scoring touchdowns. And that's the most important thing. You can run up and down the field, side to side and all around. But if you're not scoring touchdowns, if you're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, your opportunity, your chances of winning football games obviously increases. Obviously. And so – the Patriots have done just that. They don't allow you to enter the end zone. They don't allow you to score touchdowns. And because they don't allow you to score touchdowns, because they don't allow you to enter the end zone, is one of the reasons that the New England Patriots are where they're at here today. I mean, they held that vaunted Steelers offense. And granted, Le'Veon Bell was going for a big portion of that football game. But they held that offense, that big-time Steeler offense, to 17 points. You know why? They kept him out of the end zone. Did I say 17? Yes, 17 is correct. They kept him out of the end zone. And then, you know, they played the Texans. The Texans. You know, they keep their own their own selves out of the end zone. So that's not really saying much. But they held the Texans to 16. So no team has scored over 20 in these playoffs against the New England Patriots. So they do a fine job of keeping you, your team, out of the end zone. That's what they do. Matt Patricia and those boys. And one thing about Belichick, he takes away your biggest weapon. He takes that away. It's, it's kind of similar to Bernard Hopkins in boxing. He had a way of taking away your greatest weapons. He had a way of taking away your biggest weapons. Whatever you did best, Bernard Hopkins found a way to take that away from you. He's done it throughout his great career. 
And one of the reasons that he was able to last as long as he did. And that's a mighty long time. So these guys, the Bernard Hopkins of the world, the Bill Belichick's of the world, they know how to, to take away what you do best. And so I guess when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons, does that mean Julio Jones gets nullified? Is that what that means? So does, does Julio, who's been doing some crazy things in these playoffs, does he get nullified? Does, is that what Bill Belichick does this time around? We'll see. We shall see. But I know this. I know this. And I thought this was going to be this way during these uh, during the championship round. I thought the Steelers were going to score points. And I thought, obviously, the Green Bay Packers, I thought they were going to score a little more than just 21. That was surprising. That was shocking. But one thing I will say about this Falcon defense, they have now, you get the sense now, they have come to the party. They're here now at the party. Before, it was about that offense. It was about, and it's still about that offense. Let's, let's be clear. It's still about the Atlanta Falcons offense. It's still about Matt Ryan. It's still about Julio Jones. It's still about Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman. It's uh, Muhammad Sanu and those boys. You know, Tyler Gabriel. It's still about those guys. But one of the reasons the Falcons are here today in Super Bowl 51 is that defense has started to come to the party. During this six-game winning streak, they have held teams, on average, to under 20 points per game. So that's huge. That's big time. So they're doing some big-time things, playing some big-time football, and their defense is one of the reasons the Falcons are in Super Bowl 51. When we come back, we're going to bring in one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series. And most importantly, a big-time Atlanta Falcons fan, actor, Philip Boyd. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that Rocky. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. 
You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Go for it, Block Talk Radio. Paul again here, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're going to bring in a guy now who's having a lot of fun right now. His team, the Atlanta Falcons, are in the Super Bowl. Lifelong Atlanta Falcons fan. His show that he's a part of, Tyler Perry's hit show, the haves and the have-nots, doing some big-time ratings. A lot of people talking about a lot of people loving it. This is a great time to be this man. I said this before last time I talked to this guy, but it truly is a great time to be this guy. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and The Have-Nots, actor Philip Boyd. Philip! Hey, Paul, what's up? How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's a good time to be Philip Boyd right now. Sure, man. I wish I was you. <laughs> so, let's get right down to it. First and foremost, let's last time it. we talked, you said that there was a possibility that you were going to be at the NFC, NFC title game. Were you there? I was not there, but a couple of my friends were there. Okay. You were there so in spirit. I feel like I was there in spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All yeah, right. I, was getting, I was getting live updates, and people were sending me videos and stuff like that, so I felt like I was pretty much there on the field. So your initial reaction when you when the Falcons put the ball away, put the game away, and beat the Green Bay Packers 44 to 21 to go back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1998. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction? I'm gonna have to talk to Paul again. <laughs> That's a great reaction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I was so stoked. They I mean that game against the Green Bay Packers, I, I sat there and made my wife watch the whole thing with me. And uh, it, it was it was a beatdown. It was. Are we, are we allowed to say that? For sure. They shut down Green Bay. Big time. It, yeah, you know I what? was so excited about it. Before you came on, I was talking about the defense. And, you know, during this six-game win streak, the defense is holding teams under 20 points, so they have come to the party. Man, it's like I've always said, you know, offense can score, but defense wins championships. For sure. And Dan Quinn, being a defensive coordinator previously, uh, he knows the defense. For sure. So it's a good thing. It's a, it's a great thing to have a great defense. No doubt. And – I wouldn't necessarily call this defense great, but I would call it good enough. Just as we approach this game, you know, obviously you're a Falcons fan. So, you know, Mm -hmm. take off your Falcons stuff for one moment now. How realistic are your team's chances in this Super Bowl? Okay. I mean, I know the New England Patriots have been there before. They're a dynasty team. I get it. I just think that, you know, watching the Patriots in the past and watching what the Falcons have going on right now, if I'm just an innocent bystander looking at how they compete, in big games like this, I remember when the Patriots played the New York Giants and they got beat by the New York Giants. Um, you know, if you can shut them down, they cave. So, And I, I see the Atlanta Falcons, when they're down, they rise up. 
right. and they they don't have any quit in them. You know, I I hate to say it, man, but I, I, if they can get, I mean, I don't hate to say it, but if they can get to Tom Brady and get to him in the first half of the game, game's over. Do you feel like, just so I'm clear, you feel like if, you know, Vic Beasley and those boys can hit Tom Brady a little bit like, you know, the Giants did with Strahan and O.C. Yumiura and then J.P.P. and those guys the second time around. So you feel like if you can hit Tom Brady, get Tom Brady on his backside, you feel like you can get this game over quick, fast, and in a hurry. I do, just because I, I look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not a mobile quarterback. He doesn't dance around the pocket. I mean, he, he's a pocket quarterback. Sure. You know, he sits there and he waits for it to happen. If you get him moving, the game's over. Okay. All right. So I'm mean, actually not a scrambler. He's not, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a scrambler. And, and you know, he, he came alive the second part of that, that NFC championship. But before that, he couldn't scramble. He couldn't do anything. Defense was all over him. They were. They were. And, and, the, and the thing was – you got out early on that team. You hit them in the mouth. You know, it helped that you got that big turnover. It helped, you know, with that Ripkowski fumble. It helped that you had that um, situation where Mason Crosby missing that field goal. Those two things really helped the cause. But your defense, I, this defense, man, it's, it, it's been very opportunistic. I mean, four turnovers in these playoffs, that's opportunistic. That's putting your team in positive situations. Here's what I'll say, though. Let me let me let's say let's talk about this. If we look at right. the Falcon offense, to me, to me, and one thing they haven't done is hurt their team. Maddie Maddie Ice, no interceptions throughout the course of these playoffs. Only seven interceptions in the regular season, and no interceptions during the six-game winning streak. The key to me, <laughs> and obviously you could say that the key, it's kind of the key to every game, but. One of the keys is, as good as your defense is playing right now, you can't put your defense in negative situations, meaning you can't turn the football over. I agree 100%. And I, I, I just I'm, – I'm so surprised by, by Matt Ryan this year because he's got so many different avenues uh, of advancing the football. Um, he, he's got, you know, Devontae in the back, which is he's – a, he's a baller. He's just got so many different targets he can throw to. If one's not open, he checks to another one. And don't even get me started on Julio Jones. That man is a beast. A beast. I mean, I know Rob Gronkowski is a beast as well on the other side of the ball. Well, he won't be there. But but he won't be there. He won't be there. All right. I mean, I. it's just it's been a, it's been a great – season watching these guys come along because they're so they're so i guess pumped up right. pumped up to play each game it seems like they've got a boundless energy for sure for sure and and that's like you know you look at this falcon team you talked about energy to me energy momentum all those things matter when it comes to football you look at the giants when they went to the super bowl the twice both times they were hot near the end of the season and they took that momentum into the playoffs and, and just rode it through. So I believe yeah. in destiny, momentum, and all these things. And you watch the Falcons, and they have that, to me, they have that 
that feel that 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 you, you get that energy that something good might happen on Sunday. I just got that feeling. I do too, man. It's, I mean, especially after watching them play Green Bay, they were just all so excited. There was never like a moment where they were like, they felt out of rhythm or felt like it was like, you know, a busted playbook or anything like that. Everything seemed to just go and just to flow. And I think when you're in that, that energy zone of just having flow and, you know, hitting your targets and things like that, it just, it, it gives you confidence. And I believe the Falcons have a lot of confidence going into this game on Sunday too. That's key. That's that's big. Because you remember when the Giants, when they came and played the Patriots many moons ago when they, in the Super Bowl, they had similarly – they had that confidence. They have a lot of confidence. They had a lot of confidence coming into the Super Bowl. And you feel that with the – even last year, when you look at the Broncos, even though everybody said the Panthers, the Panthers, the Panthers, the Broncos came into that Super Bowl – with a high level of confidence. They really did. And they they believed that they were going to win that game. They, they came into the Super Bowl with that type of confidence. And you feel that with the Falcons. 100%. It's going to be fun. 100%. It's, it's going to be truly it's fun. Going to be made, obviously, the New England Patriots have been there before. They know what it's like to be the big show. Um you know, but when you get a you get a young, hungry team like the Atlanta Falcons, man, that that have that haven't been there since 1998. I mean, yeah, two years ago they were in the NFC playoffs, right? 2012. Oh, 2012. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, with with Tony Gonzalez, right? And then they came back the following year, and they were just absolutely horrible. Definitely. <laughs> you know, it, it's a it's a different it's a different team. I would agree. I would agree. Most definitely agree. We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have Nots, actor Philip Boyd, who is a big time, big time mm -hmm. Atlanta Falcons fan. So let me ask you this, Philip. Let me ask you this. You look yeah. at now what's going on with this Falcon team headed into this Super Bowl. You know, the offense is flowing, the defense is flowing right now. Everything seems to flow right now. In your opinion, what do the do the do what what needs to happen for Atlanta to win this? Uh, I think in anything in any sport, um, you know, if you ever get rattled, you just got to go to that zone of just like you just got to forget about it and be in the moment and have a play by play. You know, you drop one ball, you can't get frustrated. I know in, in the Green Bay game, I think they had a couple of drop passes, but they didn't let them get to them. It didn't get to them at all. They got up the next play, and they, they capitalized. They they moved the ball forward. And I think that, that the Atlanta Falcons have a good game plan going into this going into the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, they had two weeks off to recover. Everybody's healthy. Um yeah, like I said, man, I think that the game plan has to be to attack the ball on the defensive side, especially around Brady. If they can get to Brady, then then Brady Brady will fold. I mean, Brady, what is he, 40, 40 years old now? 39 years old? 39. Like that. 39. Yeah, 39. He's not moving as, as, as quick as he used to. That's why he's got to have a good offensive line. They can just get to him and, and 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 cover the receivers. I think that we I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to dominate the Patriots. I don't even think it's going to be that much of a game, to be honest with you. Wow. If, 
if they come in hyped up as they can be, I mean, I know, listen, I give all the credit in the world to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They are a solid team. They are a championship football team. But when you get some crazy, like, running around defensive players in there that don't give a flying shit, they're going to go in there and, and just wreak havoc. Okay. I mean, all right. I, I, I'm pumped for the game. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pumped for it. I, I, but we talked, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about, you know, going all in for the Atlanta Falcons winning the Super Bowl. I'm all in. <laughs> so let, let me throw this at you. Let me throw this at you. Looking at the ten highest scoring teams in NFL history, and, and what they did in the playoffs. 2013 Broncos lost in the Super Bowl. 2007 Patriots lost in the Super Bowl. 2011 Packers lost in the divisional round. 2012 Patriots lost in the AFC Championship game. 98 Vikings lost to your Falcons in the NFC Championship game. 2011 Saints lost in the divisional playoffs. 83 Redskins lost in the Super Bowl. And now we have the Falcons. And then we have the Rams, 2000, who lost in the Super Bowl. And then the 99 Rams, who won in the Super Bowl. So the team that, you know, that scores a lot of points over the years haven't necessarily fared well in the Super Bowl. That mean anything to you? That's okay. No, that's okay. Listen, we got one of the best field goal kickers out there, man. Okay. Uh, if it comes down to it, uh, I put Matt Bryant up there with anybody right now, man. Um, if we can't, if we can't score on the ground, then we're, we're going to score, you know, through the field goals. And I know our defense is capable of uh, stopping the Patriots. So, you know, I, it's either going to be a, it's either going to be a runaway game like it was against the Packers, or it's going to be a real tight game. Okay. All right. Do you have I mean, a score? I understand, I, I understand what you mean. What's that? Do you have a score? Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that the, the Falcons might win like 42 to 28. 42 to 28. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, the, the Falcons have averaged 40 points per game in these playoffs. So, I mean, 40 points is not out of the realm of possibility. But some will come back at you like this and say, look, this New England defense, they don't let people score. 16 points to the Texans, 17 points to the Steelers, and they're only giving up 15.6 points per game. So this team, in theory, does not let you score. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But see, when you when you get all that energy going on out there, man, and I think the way that that this this uh, Falcons offense has performed this year, it's good about throwing people off balance. I, I don't think they face a team with that many weapons that that uh, the Falcons have this year. I really don't. I mean, I know that Pittsburgh's a good team, and they don't have as many weapons as the Falcons do. And I think when you have that many weapons thrown at you, it, it's, it can be frustrating for a defense that can't cover everybody. Now, 
I give, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the New England Patriots are an amazing team. And if the Falcons go with their playbook and they find the open receivers and, and find all their weapons, then it's going to be hard for the New England Patriots to, to stop them. I, I will say this. Even though this Patriot team doesn't really allow teams to score, you can't move the ball on this team. And it's not like this team, this defense is that Bronco defense from last season. It's not like this defense is that Seattle defense from a couple years ago that dominated the Broncos in the Super Bowl. It, it's not that type of defense to me. In my opinion, this Falcon offense, just like I thought the Falcon offense was better than that Seahawks defense, I believe this Falcon offense is better than that Patriots defense. This is not the Broncos defense we're talking about. This is not the Seahawks defense we're talking about. No. You know, I think it's going to come down also, man, to uh, to penalties. Okay. To see who has a to who has the you know least amount of penalties. Uh, it's going to be a, a a close one to watch because I, I know that the Patriots kind of are not on Roger Goodell's uh you know side. So I, I don't know <laughs> if that has anything to do with it or not. But I I think the flags are going to fly a little bit in the Falcons' okay. favor. <laughs> I mean, that's just me thinking about you know like. You know things that are kind of like fixed and whatnot, but I, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. <laughs> let let me ask you this, and, and it's a, a wishful thinking on your part, but let me ask you this: true or false? The Atlanta Falcons have to get out early on this Patriots team to win this game. That's true. Okay. All right. So you feel like they need but a big time the, start. The, the, yeah, I do, but the only you know the only downside to that is that if you play with reckless abandon in the first half of the game, you know the first quarter of the game, and you're going all out and you're making mistakes because you're trying to be overly hyped, then then that yeah. can add some frustration to the defense as well. So, you know, I, I they got to get on they got to get on them in the very beginning, no doubt. All right, but I, I just hope that they, 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 limit, they limit their mistakes. How about that? That's true. That's true. So we'll see what happens. We're talking to one of the stars. I'm Tyler Perry's hit show. The haves and the have-nots. Actor, Philip Boyd. And Philip, let's talk about yeah, the haves and the have-nots at this point in time. I mean, okay. what's going on with your character, Oscar, at this point? Is he trying to scheme somebody? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's going to, you'll, you'll see a lot of that coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, okay. I know, that, I know that Oscar's back on Tuesday night and, um, you're going to, he's going to let you in on a little bit about what he's trying to do this season. Okay. All right. Got some big, <laughs> got some big players this year. And, so is it going to be bigger than his last game? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's huge. Wow, it's it's, it's huge. But I, I and I and I can't give anything away. That's the, I can't say anything right now. You got to watch. For sure. I, I wish I could. It, right now, it's getting to that point where if I say anything, then you're gonna know what's gonna happen. And I can't. Gotcha. I can't get that away. For sure. You got to eat. You most definitely got to eat. <laughs> so, just so we're clear. This scheme is going to be super crazy. 
this scheme is is bigger than this this one will make what I this this scheme will make what I did to Candace look like child's play. Wow. And you talk about what? Like what was that like five million? Mil and those millions from Candace? Yeah, it yeah. It was it was like seven point four million or, or four four million dollars or something like that that we got back okay. from. Wow. Um but there's a lot more stuff going. I mean, everybody, people are kind of in jeopardy right now. Um, look at, I mean, look at Catherine. Catherine's done went off a rocker this season, and and you know <laughs> John Schneider's character, he's he's out of the he's out of jail now. He's come home to see the DA's been killed, and and his wife is there, and she's like, I ought to shoot you too. And I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with Catherine. And then you know Veronica's character has met up with Candace and teaching her school and her on how to how to get away with murder pretty much uh, <laughs> i mean so there's you know mitch mitch is in jail right now and you got you got war i think you got john chafin coming on next yeah his character is going to be out about coming up it's it, it's you know a lot of people's lives are in jeopardy right now it's gonna get ugly it sounds like it's gonna it. get a little ugly yeah okay all right yeah ugly is good Ugly is good. Yeah, man. Entertainment. For sure. For sure. So have you started shooting the next season at this point? No. No. The word okay. is on the street that we'll go back we'll go back in April to start shooting next year's season. Oh, April. All right. Yeah, okay. not the latest. Right, so. First, first you know, it, you know, Tyler Perry's such a busy man. I think right now he's shooting two different shows. He's shooting If Loving You Is Wrong uh the meet the pains or something like that and then after he gets done doing that i think he's shooting two different movies and then we're going to go into the halves okay all right so the halves go ahead so it's about two months so no, the halves no, yeah say it again i'm sorry no no yeah yeah in about, in about two months he's going to be shooting two different movies and the, these two tv shows he's a busy man okay, wow for sure so what are you doing now? You know, you're not shooting the haves and the have-nots right now. So what's Philip Boyd doing to keep busy during this time? Uh, I'm playing some golf when I can. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wrote a movie that uh, is is being uh, pitched at the moment. And I've also written a TV show, a pilot, and did the whole Bible for the TV show. And that's being pitched i think soon uh, we're still kind of like finalizing everything with that um i finished up doing a movie back in december and i'm part of a mini series called feud that starts airing march the 10th on fx i believe it's a ryan murphy project the same guy that did the uh, people versus oj simpson okay yeah wow. it's, it's so about uh yeah i'm pretty busy it's, it's about the uh, the betty davis joan crawford feud back in the 1960s Okay. All right. So that should be fun. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a great. It'll be great. There's so much stuff in that mini series that you'll see that you just can't believe that these people acted that way, man. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. So, but Jessica Lang's in it. Susan Sarandon, Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, Stanley Tucci, Sarah Paulson, Kathy Bates. Oh wow. Pretty big. So cast. you you got you got some heavy hitters there. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some of the nicest. And you forgot your too. Like Susan Sarandon is one of the nicest girls I've ever met, man. Okay. Was it what you expected? You expected different, same. You know, I, I didn't know because you know you're walking onto a set where you're you're actually you know reenacting these divas back in 1960s and you know some heavy hitters and you don't know who's going to be diva-ish or if they're going to like ignore you or anything like that but everybody was super nice and super chill and just really professional it was, it was great pleasure to work on for sure for sure we're talking to one of the actors one of the stars of tyler perry's hit show the haves and the have-nots so before we get out of here Michael Vick yep. has announced his retirement. Very popular during this time in Atlanta. You know, Falcon fans, the city of Atlanta loves Mike Vick. Do you have any Vick memories? Were you a big Vick guy? Man, <laughs> I remember when Vick had his own, like, he was on the cover of the John Madden game. Yes. Uh, I mean, Michael Vick came on. He He was a he was an exciting quarterback to watch back in the day. I mean, it's such a shame that his, his career took the, the turn that it did. Uh, but I, I did read that Michael Vick had a letter about the Falcons. Did you yes. read that letter? Yes, I did read, yeah, I did read some of it. Yeah, and when he was spending time in jail, how he, when he heard about Matt Ryan being announced that he knew his time as a Falcon would be over. But there's also now a petition to try to get the Falcons to sign – Michael Vick for a day so that he can retire a Falcon. I think that's a good idea. I think it's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, it was a heartfelt letter that he put out there. I mean, I, you know, the guy the guy did so much for Atlanta back in the day. He did. Um, he was excited. I mean, just you know, just like just like you know, when Deion Sanders was playing for Atlanta, it was exciting. I can. It was. I remember when I had him in Philadelphia. I loved Michael Victor in that time. I mean, he was, he was excited. He's a playmaker, man. You just never know what's going to happen. He's going to, you know, pass Big the time. ball. And he, and he could throw the ball. He could throw the ball on a rope, too. For sure. You wonder. Yeah. You wonder what could have been if he wasn't involved with the, the dogs and, you know, truly, truly dedicated himself to the sport, dedicated himself to the craft. You wonder what could have been. I, I, I say if if Michael Vick would have won a Super Bowl in Atlanta, he might have gotten a statue. I mean, because he was that popular out there. Oh, I th- without a doubt. I think so, too. I think Michael Vick brought a lot of excitement to the city and people, you know, went to the games to see. He was a, he was a you know, a a player that brought in the crowd. He did. He uh, moved the crowd. 100%. I mean, I just, I think Deion Sanders was the same way when he was in it with Atlanta. Sure. I feel like, I feel um, like Michael Vick had a bigger effect, uh, uh, you know, just a greater effect than Deion. I, you know, yeah, I think so too. I think that anytime you get a quarterback that is that uh, hot and that entertaining to watch, it's going to have more of an impact, without a doubt, hundred percent. For sure, for sure. I mean, there's only so many runbacks you can you can run back, you know, punt returns and kickoff returns to to make it look, you know, prime time. But 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 uh, you know, him being out there as much as he was out there, Michael Vick, he had a lot more opportunity. 
that Deion Sanders had as well, I believe. Definitely. When, when your quarterback is popular, and a quarterback, obviously, the most important position in the NFL, the highest paid position in the NFL, and when your quarterback is flowing and is big time and popular, obviously, he's going to move that needle, and Michael Vick moved that needle out there in Atlanta. It was amazing. Oh, like amazing it. run. Just like Brett, Brett, just like Brett Favre did with Green Bay. Yes, yes, definitely. Brett Favre was a Falcon. Brett Favre was a Brett Favre was a Falcon before they traded him. That's right. Yes. <laughs> he sure. I know. It's back with Jerry Glanville, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, too, quit, too legit to quit days. That's right. Oh, MC Hammer. <laughs> what is he up to these days? Uh, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> you should have him on the show one day, man. I'll try. I'll try. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so, so, what, so what fan. Is, what is, what is, Go ahead. What is Paul up to? What is Paul up to these days? What's Paul up to? Okay. Paul's just living his life day in and day out, talking sports and having fun doing it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> But so fans, make sure you go to Twitter, hit this man up at Philip K Boyd, Instagram, Philip K Boyd, website, philipboyd.net, and support all the great things going on with actor Philip Boyd. Just so we're clear, before we get out yeah. of here, just so I'm clear, 42 to 28, the Atlanta Falcons win. Super Bowl 51. If everything goes according to plan, yeah. But <laughs> if, if not, then, then it, it might be a low-scoring game. It might be something like, you know, 21 to 17 or 21 to 20. Uh, I'm going to ask you before we get out of here just so we're clear. Super Bowl um, Sunday. I, I like the Who Falcons. I like the All Falcons. Right. I like their energy. I like the way they're playing. Uh, and it's not the you offense because the offense is big time. It has been big time throughout the course of this year. Over 30 points per game they average. I think it was 33.8 to be exact in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But the defense has come to play. It's been opportunistic. It's, you know, they're, they're getting after the quarterback. And they're not letting teams score. It does help that their offense is scoring a lot of points. But their defense has come to the party. They've come to the dance. So, with that being said, I don't think any. I don't think you're holding this team, the Atlanta Falcons, under 30 points, playing in the dome. Uh, you know, no weather situation at all. Everything's clean. Playing in the dome. You're not holding the Falcons' offense. You're not. No one has really. The Philadelphia Eagles did. No, but not many have. End of the day. Just so we're all clear, I like the Falcons 31 to 21. Okay. Now, you know New England's favored by three. Yes. Okay. I, it's, it's, to me, it's about energy. To me, it's about what team – the Patriots are playing well, don't get me wrong. But I just think the Falcons are playing better, and they just have that energy. That just makes you want to rise up. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and and all season, Falcons have not been they they ha, they've been like quiet. I mean, all the media around them, everything's been just really quiet about the Falcons until now. For sure, you know they. From what I've seen, no, nobody's been talking about the Falcons. They were talking about everybody else. I will I say this. Is like a, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go I ahead. will say this. It was you guys caught a break when the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers, that was it. That was their Super Bowl, essentially. You know, a lot of guys were banged up coming into that game against the Falcons. That was their – that was it for them. And, you know, they shot their load at that point. You guys – I mean, it is what it is, but you guys – we're very fortunate to avoid the Dallas Cowboys. You think so, huh? I think so. I really do. You might be right. I mean, that might have been a harder game, but I still, I still think they would have pulled it out. It, it might so have made think... this up a little bit more. Okay. But I think the Falcons still would have won that game. Okay. This nice. is what you talked about before. So you talk about momentum, about energy, about people rising up, about you know a game plan and sticking to it. And Falcons have done that. They have, they have. I mean, but things have shook out right for them. And and the Cowboys, not playing the Cow. I I just I don't know. I just like, I just think the Cowboys would have been just a tough situation for your football team. I just think Green Bay was just spent. They they just were spent when they came to Atlanta. I agree with the you. Cowboys weren't, and and it showed, and it showed. Definitely. I tell you what I'm looking. I tell you what I'm looking forward to though, uh, watching the Falcons play in that new stadium. For sure. Have you but you know thing? what it is. I, I've seen pictures, but you know what? Just a side note, right? Side note. I mean, stadiums. What they cost like hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars. And it's like mm-hmm. you had the Georgia Dome. What, stadiums only have like a 20-year 20 20-year 20 thing and they're done? Man, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about I mean, look, look, look they're, they're redoing Turner Field. They're moving that over to a different county. I, I you know, I, it's, I don't know, man. I, they can never get rid of baseball stadiums. I hope they never get rid of Wrigley Field or Definitely. Fenway. Those things have to stay forever. I, I would think so. They would have to. I would think they got so. to. Yeah. I mean, as much as this stadium is, what, what's really impressed me about this stadium coming in is that they're still they're gonna they're not gonna charge you an arm and a leg to go in there and eat. That's good. I think I think Cokes are like two dollars, and you can you know a soda you can have like two dollars and you get free refills all day. Okay, that's pretty. Right. Impressive. And then like burgers are like going to be like eight, eight bucks or something like that instead of the you know twelve dollar burgers you get or whatever it may be. But they said they're going to have food inside the stadium that's going to be the same as outside prices. Right. Okay. So right. That's, that's a that's a good draw, man. That's not bad. That's not. That's most definitely not bad. I just. I mean. I guess this is a separate issue, and it's not really your issue. Yeah. Not really my issue either. At the end of the day, but it is an issue. I do have a problem with billion-dollar play pens, and you know, just with schools being the way they are. 
with, 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 with you know, certain situations being what they are. I don't know. It is what it is. Hey, man, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. A thousand percent. I, I don't know what the answer is, and, and but I understand what you're what you're talking about, no doubt. Right, right. That money so, could go definitely to, to education and stuff like that. But we're not on a political talk show. We're on a sports radio no, talk no, show. No, no, no. Let's so let's have fun. Forget that mess. Let's forget the madness. Let's let's, let's just let's Ooh. talk sports and have fun doing it. So so again, <laughs> one more time. Just so we're clear, I got the Falcons winning thirty-one to twenty-one. And your score is what? I'm gonna say 42 to 28 again, man. Okay. I just All that right. that number just sticks in my head for some reason. I don't know why. All right. So, I guess at the end of the day, February 5th, out there in Houston, Texas, I think around 6:20, 6:20 something. Uh huh. We'll see what's gonna happen. Now, where are you gonna be watching the game at? I'm going to be home. All right. How about yourself? Uh, my my manager uh, is having a big Super Bowl party. And okay. uh, they do uh-huh. the squares and, and everything. And so uh, a lot of casting directors and producers and stuff like that will be there. So we're going to go over there and, and watch it over there. Although I do I, – I will say that I do like to watch the game at home. It's better at home. More than not. I, I just don't – I like to watch the game. Yeah. You know? So now you're going to have and to have fake partner. conversations and all the other stuff going on. I might have to. I, I might can just sit there and watch the game, though. I I think people pretty much know when I come in there with my Falcons gear on that I'm I'm going to be watching the game. Okay. Unless unless right. it's like a, unless something happens bad and then I'm going to be leaving and going and watching it at home. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, you're so it's just so you're going to be there. It's going to be a whole bunch of people. It could be an opportunity for you to find your next role as well. Could be. You know, it doesn't hurt to to uh, you know talk to people. Definitely, definitely make, make connections. For sure, for sure. So, all right. Well, so we'll see. With you. How about that? Definitely, definitely. So we'll see. It's going to be fun, man. Can't wait. Philip, absolute pleasure as always. Can't wait to do it again, sir. You too, man. And uh, say hello to my boy John Chapin when he comes on too. Will do. Will do. Take care. You too, man. Falcons, rise up. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Actor, Philip Boyd. Super Bowl 51 upon us. It's going to be fun. I have the Falcons win at 31 to 21. He has the Falcons win 42 to 28. It is tough to root against, not root against Brady, but to go against Brady and Belichick. It's tough. Uh, But I got to do it. Energy, baby. I love the Falcons' energy. Rise up! They're rising. And maybe they'll rise all the way to the top. Let's switch gears now. LeBron James and Charles Barkley going at each other. LeBron called Barkley a hater. You know, said, 
you know, he's not one who, who, who threw somebody through a window. He's not one that doesn't have debt in Las Vegas. He's not one who spit on a kid. So on and so forth. Charles, initially, that's what started this whole thing, what started LeBron coming at him. But Charles was like, you know, called LeBron whiny, you know, questioned LeBron's competitive nature. And LeBron just went for the jugular. He went hard. And then LeBron talked about how he represents the game and, you know, no scandals, no nothing, da-da-da-da-da. Here's what I will say about LeBron James when it comes to that. You know, I'm, I'm, there ain't no perfect people out here. I mean, there, there's people, all of us, no matter, Mother Teresa has done some bad things in her life, I'm sure. We all have done some bad things in our life. There ain't no perfect people out here. So you got to be careful when you start throwing those type of stones. Those type of stones are some dangerous stones to throw because now you put yourself out there. Now, now you know, you, you ain't involved in no scandals, so you say. You ain't involved in, in you know, you're, you're representing this game the way it should be represented, so on and so forth. But everybody, everybody has done dirt. The best of us have done dirt. That's just life. That's just the reality of life. You, me, we have done dirt. So anytime you kind of put yourself out there, pump your, you know, pump, push your chest out, uh, you know, pump that chest out a little bit and, and start saying, you know what? I, I ain't done this. I ain't done that. I'm, you know, I'm pretty much squeaky clean. Anytime you start doing those type of things, becomes dangerous, man. It becomes dangerous. And here's what I say. Here's how I view this whole situation. LeBron was wrong. And LeBron was wrong. And I'll tell you why. Charles Barkley, his job as an analyst on TNT talking about the NBA is to tell you, me, and all of us how he feels. You might not like it. You may not agree with it. But it is his opinion. LeBron James also. He has a right to his opinion. And he has a right to defend himself. Now. Only thing you could have said. That was possibly personal. Charles Barkley called him whiny. Complaining. You know LeBron complaining. I need a playmaker. I need this that and the third. Only thing you could say about Barkley. That could have been personal. Is. When Barkley questioned his competitive nature and, and talking about him and being competitive, meaning LeBron, talking about LeBron and LeBron not being competitive, that's the only thing that you could say that was possibly personal. But at the end of the day, that's still talking about what's going on on the court. So Charles didn't go personal. LeBron you can argue went below the belt. He most definitely went below the belt. I mean, talking about Barkley throwing guys through a window, you know, that was what, 20, 25 years ago? That's a long time ago, man. Again, again, it happened, he did it, whatever. The debt in Las Vegas, Barkley apparently has paid that. So 
you know, you, you went below the belt and you start looking at a person's history, a, a, a person's personal resume, if you will. Well, LeBron, you got a personal resume too. Some that we know, some that we don't. Most that we know, or all that we know at this point, has been pretty much positive. But you don't think LeBron James has done something wrong? He's LeBron James. He's human. You know, we're, we're Michael Jordan. You, you, you got the image of Michael Jordan as, I wouldn't say squeaky clean, but a guy who was kind of on the up and up on some level. But at the, at the same time, that was before social media. And could you imagine Michael Jordan doing social media? His image probably would be totally different. Because now with social media, with with TMZ, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, you're out there with, with camera phones. You know, you're out there. Guys are taking pictures of you doing whatever, being reckless, being silly, doing God knows what. Michael Jordan wasn't no angel. We look at Kobe Bryant, another guy who was like a Jordan clone. We found out Kobe was no angel. He had that whole, that whole situation in Colorado. He was no angel. Obviously, Barkley's no angel. And obviously, LeBron James is no angel. So he, for him to go personal wasn't cool. I, don't, I think Charles Barkley is just doing his job. I think LeBron James, again, he has a right to defend himself. But maybe he could have defended himself in a different way. Maybe it talks instead of talk about personal stuff, maybe it talks about professional stuff, you know, alluding to the fact that Charles Barkley has not won a title. Maybe. Here's the thing. If you're LeBron James and you, in fact, believe that you need help, that's not something you say to the media. That's something you say to your front office, your coaching staff, and everybody else. You don't put your teammates out there like that. You're basically telling your teammates that you're not talented enough. You're not good enough. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to make a deal to get a playmaker, one of those guys on your team might have to go. Now, you you're not you may not be able to get a situation where you can get rid of a Mike Dunleavy and get a Kyle Korver. You know, Mike Dunleavy, not a big part of your core. But next time you make a move, you might have to move somebody that's a part of your core. Maybe. So LeBron feels like he needs a playmaker. And, you know, when it comes to repeating and, and winning a championship, you know, back-to-back titles. You know, I, I like to look at what the greats say. Isaiah Thomas said, you know what? Maybe Charles doesn't understand because, you know, when you win it the second time around, it takes a lot. I'm paraphrasing, but it takes a lot. And the reality is most people would tell you, most players would tell you, you know, winning the championship was tough, was hard. Repeating was even harder. So it's tough. And so when you look at it from that standpoint, LeBron James, maybe he knows something. Obviously, he does know that Kevin Durant is in uh, Golden State. He knows that team is formidable. He knows that team is big time. And maybe he knows that, you know what? We're not good enough to beat the Golden State Warriors as we're presently constructed. So therefore, we need to make a move. I know the payroll was high. Highest payroll in basketball, I get all that. But LeBron feels like he needs an extra piece, an extra part to move forward. So LeBron, when 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 Isaiah talks about it, Shaq talks about it, 
you, you got to listen because those guys won championships and they won back-to-back -back championships. And in the case of Shaq, he won it three times in a row. So those guys know what it takes to win a title. Does LeBron sound kind of whiny? A little bit. But he wouldn't sound as whiny if that whiny was going upstairs to, to the general manager, to the owner, instead of going out to all of us. He would look less whiny. Maybe they do need help if they want to beat the Golden State Warriors. They can get to the finals the way they're presently constructed. But they can't beat Golden State the way they're presently constructed. They need help. They need to make a move. And I think the move for them to make is Mello. I believe, and I know you don't want to give up Kevin Love, but I believe Mello, Carmelo Anthony, makes a difference. And I said this last week, and I'll repeat it. When I look at Mello, don't necessarily look at Mello with the talent that he's playing with now. Look at Melo when he played with the Dream Team, for example. You know, he got a, he got spot-up opportunities. Melo's a big-time shooter. You give him spot-up opportunities and you give him good looks, it's going to look better, it's going to be better, and it's going to be great. I think Melo, the way the Cavaliers are presently constructed, gives them a better opportunity to beat the Golden State Warriors. I think if you're the L.A. Clippers, you need to find a way to get mellow because that gives you an opportunity, a better opportunity, a chance, because they don't have a chance at this point to be Golden State. But if they have mellow, that gives them a shot. And the reality is you don't have to give up anybody in your big three of Jordan, of, Ant, of um, Griffin, of CP3. You don't have to give any of those guys up. So the point I'm trying to make is this. First and foremost, LeBron, you were wrong coming at Charles like that. Charles is doing his job. Don't go below the belt. That ain't cool. You ain't perfect. That's not cool. It's not cool at all. Charles is doing his job. And he does a heck of a job. Second, LeBron, you were wrong for, for going out there and, 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 and telling everybody, I need this, that, and the third. When you already got the highest payroll. You know, you're, you do sound whiny. But I understand why you feel like you need those things. But in the future, if you're going to say those things, if you feel like you need those things, just say it to say it to somebody else. You know what I mean? Say it to the people that can make it happen for you. Don't say it to the fans. Don't say it to the media. Say it to the people that can get it done for you. All right? In the future. Because you do sound white. So I understand. So you're wrong for that, LeBron. You're wrong for going out Charles. I get it. I understand. And again, if you felt like you need to do it, and you felt like you need to do it in that manner, then so be it. Do what you need to do. I'm mad at you. But I feel like you're wrong. But then it, it kind of goes back to the wise words of the lovely of, of, of the, the talented, of the beautiful Michelle Obama. When they go low, you go high. Right? When they go low, you 
go high, even though I don't think LeBron, I mean, excuse me, even though I don't think Barkley went low. But Barkley, to his credit, when LeBron went low, Barkley went high. So maybe he was listening to the former Flotus. Maybe. But I do think at the end of that, the Cavaliers do need to do something. And Kevin Love says he feels like he's going to be in, in Cleveland for a long time to come. We'll see. I know the Knicks still have a level of interest in Kevin Love. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come February 23, February 23rd. Who stays? Who comes? Who goes? Who leaves? Who stays? We'll see. That's going to be fun, and we'll see what happens. When we come back, we're going to be joined by, joined by, excuse me, another star of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor John Chafin. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you know you, I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Go for it, Blog Talk Radio. Talking sports, having fun doing it. Going to bring in a guy now. He, too, is an Atlanta Falcons fan. He, too, is super excited about the Atlanta Falcons. And he, too, is on Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have-Nots. Let's bring him in now, actor John Chafin. John! Hey, how you doing? Yes, sir. Doing well. Thank, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, John, lifelong Atlanta Falcons fan. Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. First and foremost, how you feeling about Super Bowl 51? I feel great. I feel great. I feel like I think we have it this year. I feel like there's something in the air. It's, it feels great. I mean, you, you look at all the signs. This is the last season at the Dome. They win the last game at the Dome. I mean, it's it's it's, it's our time. It's our time. Last time we was in the Super Bowl, I was in like what tenth grade, something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's gonna be. A, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ready for Sunday. I'm ready. So, do you feel like on some level? You guys are Destiny's Child? <laughs> Destiny's Child. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, but I, mean, I do feel like there's something in the air right now for us this season. I mean, the way Matt Ryan is playing, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Gabriel, I mean, you know, Coleman, Freeman. I mean, we just have so many weapons, even on the defense end, Beasley, Neal. 
I mean, we got a lot of these, you know, young guys out there that, that's hungry and they're ready to win. They're ready to win now. So uh, I guess you could say it's Destiny's Child, but I, I do feel like it, is, it does have some sort of destiny attached to it. So let me ask you this. What do you feel like now needs to happen? What do you feel like your team needs to do, the Atlanta Falcons? What do you feel like they, your team needs to do to get this victory? We First of all, we have to uh, control the time of possession. If okay. uh, the best way to be Brady, Tom Brady, is to keep him on the sideline, keep him on the bench. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, he's Tom Brady. He's going to go down as prop probably the best quarterback to ever do it you know uh, I can't take anything away from him I mean to be a six round draft pick and to have the career that he's had I, I give him all the respect but uh yeah in order for us to really you know uh control this game we have to control the uh the line of scrimmage and we have to control the time time on the clock so uh if we do that and I think we have we have a high powered offense we do score fast but I mean with the run game that we have all the weapons I feel like uh, we could do another number like we did in the NFC Championship game and control that, that time of possession, and that'll give us, uh, you know, opportunity to win, especially if our defense can come up and make some, some plays, some stops. You know, it's only one game that we have to play. It's not a series. It's one game, one game. And anything can happen on any given Sunday. So I'm telling so, you that oh, the Falcons are winning. Okay, all right. So you feel really good about it. You, you you like the way this team is playing right now, offensively, defensively. I mean, they're really picking it up and really playing playing. Excuse me, some really big time football. So you you just feel feel like that's going to carry over. I do. Um, we've been doing this. We've been playing this way all season, so it's not like it was just you know a spurt or something like that. We we've been playing this way you know all season, so I feel like this is the best way to finish that season and go ahead and cap it off with the, with the W in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what they're playing for. Um, we, it, Matt Ryan has shown, you know, throughout the course of the season that he is the MVP. I mean, hands down. And I feel like when you have that uh, and you have that momentum and you have that, that young hunger, and you, have, we all, you can't forget we have Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, this is the, the third Super Bowl that he's coached in in the four, uh, four, last four Super Bowls. So we can't forget about that. He, he could have had two Super Bowl wins if it wasn't for that, uh, that terrible call uh, for sure. that coach made up there in Seattle. <laughs> you know, uh, He would be a two-time uh, Super Bowl champion. So, I mean, we have that as well. He has a really great record against uh, top-notch quarterbacks. You know, we beat, we beat Manning. We beat, we beat Russell. We beat Aaron Rodgers. Now it's our time to beat you know, Tom Brady. Okay. All right, we're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots, actor John Chaffin. So, so, where are you watching the Super Bowl? Where are you watching Super Bowl 51? Uh, my partner says she's going to have a little gathering at her place, so we're going to go over there and enjoy it. You know, her and uh, her and her husband, they're going to have a little uh, get-together. So, yeah, we're going to be over there watching it. All right, all right. So, being that you're a big time fan, is that a game like you feel like you almost need to watch alone? No, I mean I'm not superstitious in that regard. I mean I know some people who are, you know, they have to, you know, they're very superstitious. I'm not that uh, that superstitious. I I, I want to enjoy the game, you know. Um, I'm just happy that my Falcons are there. You know, it's been so long since we 
you know, been able to get back to the Super Bowl. And the city is just, I know, just hungry for a championship. I mean, we haven't had one since, you know, the Braves back in, you know, the mid-'90s. So, uh, they're hungry. Atlanta's hungry. So, I don't. I don't feel like I have to watch it alone. I, you know, I want to enjoy it with other people. That's why I'm not betting on the game. You know, I want to enjoy it. I don't want to sit there sweating bullets. You know, <laughs> you know, I want to want to sit back and just. And then I also want to blow another people's uh, face who might not be going for the Falcons. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So you're going to be watching it, you know, with with a bunch of friends. So you're gonna have a good time there. I mean, so. As a whole, do you have a score at this mm-hmm. point? What happened Super Bowl 51? What is the score? I, I feel like everybody – right now, I think everybody has New England as a three-point favorite, but I honestly feel like it's going to be – we're going to win by more than two scores. So, okay. I mean, right now, I'm thinking I'm thinking the score is going to be something around, like, 38 to, like, 24, you know, something like that. Um, that's just me because I, I, I don't feel like – Atlanta's going to hold back, you know, especially now with Dan Quinn and, and Kyle Shanahan. The way they've been coaching, I don't feel like they're going to change up anything that they've been doing that got them to that point. And if we don't and we play like how we've been playing to get us to the Super Bowl, then, yeah, it's going to be a 38-24 victory. All right, so 38-24, the Atlanta Falcons get it done, win Super Bowl 51, and beat Tom Brady. Man, it's I kind of agree with you that the Falcons are going to win, but it is so mm-hmm. hard to go against Tom Brady. It's like I'm saying that the Falcons are going to win, but I can't say it definitively because Tom Brady is on the other side. Does that give you a level of trepidation? Uh, I would be lying if I said that I didn't. <laughs> I mean, it is Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the record speaks for itself. This is the – the seventh uh, uh, Super Bowl for these guys, you know, Brady and Belichick. So, and experience is is key. You know, experience, him having been there, uh, having been through this routine and, and knows what it takes to, to can keep all the distractions out and, and focus on the game. So, I would be lying to say, like, no, nah, we don't have no worries. I mean, yeah, this is the, the best team, the best coach, the best quarterback, uh, they're going to go down as perhaps the, the greatest coach-quarterback uh, duo in the history of the game. So, uh, But that also gives us more motivation to go out there and beat them, you know, because you don't want to go out there and, and play anybody other than the best. And For sure. I feel like if we can take down Goliath, <laughs> that is uh, Brayden Belichick, you know, we're going to do it. I feel like we got a chance. Okay, all right. So you're going biblical there. <laughs> I'm trying to pull out all the stops, man. I got to pull up anything that's going to work at this point. No weapon formed against the Falcons will prosper. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots, actor John Chafin. So, John. Let's go to the haves and the have-nots. Out on bell, fresh out of jail, war is out, man. Is some bad things going to happen? Yeah, man. He's like a pit bull without a leash, and nobody knows who the owner is. He he just running around like, somebody come get this man, please. 
So uh, you know, he, he he's on a he's on a path right now to get get uh, revenge. And once you get an understanding, uh, which the audience will, you know, they got a little bit, but you know, he's he's not somebody that knows how to let things go. You know, he's been crossed over, and he wants revenge, and he's gonna get it. And one way or another, he's gonna get it. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more without giving it away. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's just say he's gonna give him some revenge. And so, obviously, you know, your character Warlock, obviously, it is resonated with the fans. The fans love it. You know, the, the, they they can they love the character. How much has this role? elevated you as an actor in, in terms of the public and the public demand for you? Well, I mean, it's definitely given, uh, given me exposure to an audience that wasn't there before for me. Um, this this fan base, is the, the have-nots fan base is, is, is rabid. I mean, they are they are serious about their have-nots, and it's been a blessing that people just gravitate towards the character. Like I always say, they could not like the work, so um, and when we do it, we, we do it for the audience. So I, I, I sort of detach myself from it once I finish and, and I give it over to the audience and, and then I sit back and, and enjoy their reaction and their response to it. Um, you know, so it's been a blessing. It really, really has. And I, and I can't say enough about, uh, Mr. Perry and the, and the production that he, he runs. Cause it's like a family over there at, at uh, TPS, you know, and that makes, working a lot more fun when you go in there and enjoying the people that you're working with and it's like a family and everybody's on the same wavelength you know it's no really it helps the engine run a lot smoother um and for an actor there's no better work environment than than to have one like that so uh i just say thank you to the fans you know for for supporting the show for supporting the character for loving it if it wasn't for y'all i don't know war could have been gone a long time ago <laughs> So, for sure, um, for sure. I, you know, it's, it's, I'm definitely grateful to them. Yeah, for sure. And he, he, the character definitely is doing some big time things this season and the last mm-hmm. few seasons. Um, so we look at the show now. The show is obviously doing some big time numbers. The show is obviously resonating with the public, doing some big time things. So as we move forward. Is it going to get crazier this season? This whole thing is it going to get super crazy? Oh man, it's, it's about to go up to a whole nother level that you haven't seen. I mean, just watching the show, you can see the, you know, the difference between this season and last season just visually, um, which is also enhances the the viewing experience and and also is going to enhance what's going on in the story. So. I mean, not just with my character, but with all the characters. You have some new characters that are being introduced. Um, the storyline is, is expanding, so it's, it's going to be really, really crazy, man. Especially, you know, with War. I mean, too many people ain't going to like me uh, after this season, but hey, you know, it's, it's part of the job. <laughs> it's, it's what I do. <laughs> right, right. And, and the reality is, within dislike, there's a lot of love. So, that that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So you you know your character being disliked by everybody. That's that's good for business, man. That that's gonna be good for you. Yeah. yeah. We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots. Actor John Chaffin and John. 
you're doing some big yes, things. Sir. You got a play out there in LA, King Headley. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're doing August Wilson's King Headley the second. It's uh, it's the ninth play in his ten play century cycle, which is uh, he has his ten plays that chronicles the African-American experience uh, decade by decade, uh, starting in the 1900s with Jim and the Ocean and ending in 1990s with Radio Golf. King Heavy II is set in 1985, and it picks up where Seven Guitars left off, which is another one of his classics, which was set in 1948. Uh, a lot of the characters in, um, in King Heavy are descendants from those from Seven Guitars, and King Heavy uh, follows the life of King, who just gets out of uh, prison, is coming back home. Uh, he did a seven-year prison stint for murder, and now he's back home trying to uh, find some type of economic stability and find his life and his way uh, in a world that doesn't give him many opportunities and many options uh, to to make that life. Uh, especially in 1985, we're talking about the height of economics. You know, um, the crack epidemic has just, you know, spread. Uh, so there's a whole new element that is introduced to the demise of the African-American family um, that, you know, is being touched on in this in this play. And I play Mr. Uh, Mr. Carter, who is the best friend of King. And uh, just like King, he's trying to find his way. You know, this is a story about, you know, redemption, trying to, uh, t- trying to find uh, some way to survive uh, when those elements don't give you the opportunities to, to do so, to, to flourish. So um, even though it's set in 1985, it's very, very, very relevant to what's going on in today's society. So um, I encourage anybody to, to get out there and see it. Not just this play, but any August Wilson play. Um, any of his 10 plays, get out there and see him. And please go see him as, as stage plays before um, they're, you know, converted over into films, uh, which is what Mr. Denzel is doing with HBO. I think it's important for the audience to see these plays as plays before they see them as films because it's going to be a totally different experience. Um and the new audience that is being introduced to it should be introduced to it the right way, which is, like I said, through theater. So through various, uh, and the producer who's doing this one, she's made it her mission, Sophina Brown, to produce all 10 of the plays. Uh, okay. And she's starting with this one. And the next one, it'll be um, either Jim of the Ocean or Seven Guitars or, uh, you know, Ray of Golf, we're not sure. But she's going to be producing all 10 of these these plays as plays. Um so yeah, and the audiences that we've had have been great. Everybody's been loving it. We got some really nice reviews and it's just a really timely piece, you know. Um Definitely. August Wilson is is our American Shakespeare. You know, and sure. yes, he's African American, but he's American. And it's important for 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 people to know great American playwrights. You know, so I encourage people to go uh, to come see our play, go read his other plays, go see Jitney on Broadway in New York if you're in the East Coast, uh, and anywhere else in the country that they're doing uh, any August Wilson productions in the regional theaters, go go see him. It's important to see Definitely. these stories because these are our stories told from our voice, you know, not somebody else saying it for us. 
And the reality of it is, to your point, with the new president that we have and, you know, some of the things that's going on, it, it is very timely. And with, you know, yeah. the situation that a lot of African-Americans deal with, unfortunately, coming out of prison, not given that opportunity to succeed. And ultimately, because they're not given that opportunity to succeed, they go back to doing negative things, what unfortunately puts them in two negative situations. So, I mean, this is a timely right. piece, man, definitely. So, John, I know you got engaged recently. Congratulations. When's the wedding? It's going to be in September in Atlanta. All right. September 8th in Atlanta. We're going to do it down there. You know, that's where I'm from. Uh, that's where we met. Uh, so it just feels like the right place to do it. You going to do it big? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it semi, you know, big. We're gonna try to. Uh, we, we, it's mostly gonna be for family, uh, very very close family and friends. So, um, still trying to nail down that that uh, the wedding list, you know. But I tell you, but playing weddings ain't no joke, you know. Sure. All the respect for my fiance because she's been she's been you know carrying the load while I've been working on this play. Um, but just in a lot of the conversations go back and forth, you know, wedding plan ain't no joke. Um, but we're gonna have a good time, you know, we're gonna have it for family and friends. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure that everybody that attends uh enjoys themselves to the fullest. But let me ask you this. Obviously, you mm-hmm. know, being that you've gained a level of stature and being that you are trying to keep this affair fairly intimate. You're going to have some tough decisions here in terms of that guest list, and you might lose some friends over it. <laughs> that's what I've been told. I mean, the hardest thing is the guest list. I've been told that. They said no matter what, that's the hardest. Because, you know, people do feel some type of way if they don't get an invite. You know, and not everybody's going to come that you invite, but just the mere fact that you sent an invite says a lot. So we're going to find out who uh, – Who's going to be feeling some kind of way comes time to cut that list down? <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm letting everybody know that I'm letting all my people know it's all in love, man. There's no no disrespect, but we do have a budget we're staying within. So, um, you know, we we have to have you know those people that are you know most 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 important in our lives there, and then we would try to get some more of our friends involved that we can uh, we can get. But yeah, we are trying to stay within a certain. Uh, size and budget, so it is what it is, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, let me ask you this before we get out of here Michael Vick Mm -hmm. announced his retirement. You're an Atlanta boy, Michael Vick. I mean, I I said this before if Michael Vick would have won a Super Bowl in Atlanta, he probably would have a statue outside that new stadium coming up out, you know, being built up out there in Atlanta. But, how do you remember Michael Vick? There's no probably about it. He would have him uh, his statue out there. I mean, Michael Vick was he 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 was a breath of fresh air for Atlanta. I mean, before him, we had we had we was going through a lot of changes, a lot of turmoil with our, our players and our um. We we had that 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 stint where we had Chris Chandler and Jamal Anderson, and you know we was doing a Dirty Bird, and we went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, and then after we lost to the Broncos, it kind of, you know, a lot of the, the air kind of just, like, fizzled out. Um, 
and we was like, well, dang, what's next? Chris Chandler was old. Jamal Anderson got hurt. So we was like in that rebuilding phase. And then when Michael Vick came along and Atlanta got him, it's like he brought this new life to Atlanta. Like, you know, the way he played, it, was, it wasn't even about just going to the games. It was about going to see what this man was going to do when he got the ball in his hand, you know. And then the fact that he had Atlanta on his chest representing us. You know, we felt like he was playing not just for himself, but for us. You know, he was representing us. You know, he's a black quarterback. Atlanta is, like, one of the most uh, diverse cities, but, you know, it's one of the most um, economically um, uh, conducive cities to African-Americans. I mean, you have a lot of African-American millionaires in Atlanta. We, I think DeKalb County alone is, like, the second in the country for, you know, uh, affluent African-Americans. So there's a big... Uh, fan base down there of, of people who would just flock to Michael Vick, you know. Um, and we loved the way he played ball, and we loved where he came from, his story, how he came, you know, how he came up, and he pretty much didn't have all the intangibles that all these other quarterbacks had, like Tom Brady and, you know, all these guys who were like 6'4", and could throw and do – I mean, don't get me wrong, Michael Vick had an arm. He had a bullet. I mean, he had a cannon. Um but a lot of times they just would just dog him. And it was like, man, we would take a lot of that. You know, we would take a lot of that heat uh, and stand up for him, you know, because they would say he's not the, the quintessential quarterback. You know, he's not the prototype quarterback. So um, Michael Vick did a lot for Atlanta just with the morale and just bringing a, a whole new fan back um, to the team. I mean, we hold him in the same same regard as we did Deion Sanders, you know. Um, so he, I think he's he was ever going to be in the line. Yeah, even bigger. I mean, he he took us. I mean, we we got close. We got to got close, but uh, no cigars. So, but Atlanta is going to be forever. Um, you know, Michael Vick's you know home if he ever wants it to be. You know, I mean, regardless, he's going to be a Falcon to us. I mean, he had a great. Uh, career after his prison stand, you know, with with uh, Philly, but, you know, it just wasn't right looking at him in another person's, in another team's <laughs> uniform. It just wasn't yeah. like, nah, he, he's an Atlanta Falcon. That's big, <laughs> you know? Uh, For so sure. He's never going he, to ever be Atlanta's child. You know, he's going to always get love in Atlanta. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, he messed up. He did what he did, and I, I got to give him credit, you know, hate him or love him. And I know there's a lot of people that hate him still. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. he did pay his debt to society. He did come out and become yeah. a productive member of society at this point in time. So at the end of the day, yeah. I think you know, we got to let this man live and, and, and you know, let him live. He, he did what he had to do, jail-wise. Yeah. Let him live. Yeah, he paid his debt to society. Um yeah, let him live, you know. And I feel like time heals all wounds, you know. Um, For sure. So, you know, as time has gone on, you know, a lot of people that used to hate him are now fans of his. I mean, you still have people out there that don't like him. But, I mean, that's their own personal issue. I mean, get over it. Man. Definitely. It is what it is. It was so long ago. So, um, but he has enough fan base in Atlanta and everywhere else that, you know, he don't have to worry about those people who don't like him because he got enough people Definitely. who do love him. One more thing before we get out of here. I just want to get your thoughts mm -hmm. on this. You had the, the whole Charles Barkley, LeBron James situation. 
you know, LeBron calling Barkley a hater. You know, LeBron talking about Barkley throwing guys through windows, having Dent in Las Vegas, you know, partying out in Las Vegas, didn't show up to All-Star Weekend until Sunday, so on and so forth. You know, it kind of was like, okay, LeBron went a little low. Barkley kind of went a little high, in my opinion. I I just feel like Barkley was just talking about basketball, and LeBron went a little personal on it. And I think LeBron is definitely wrong for that because none of us – because we all got skeletons. We all human. We all did some things and have done some things throughout the course of our life. But how do you view it? I feel like you don't throw bricks from a glass house. You know what I'm saying? Unless your unless your house is squeaky clean, you don't need to be talking about another man's business. You know, sure. uh, especially personally. Like you know, Barkley was talking about his him on the court. He wasn't talking about him as a person. You know what I'm saying? He was talking about him on the court, and LeBron took it personal, which lets me know he's thin skinned. Um, and Barkley, I mean, I said Barkley. Uh, Barkley, you know. Um, he has a very thick skin, so it's going to take a lot to get up under his skin. I mean, he ain't never shied away from, you know, the, the issues that he's had. You know, he's he's always spoke up about it. He's never tried to hide it. So it's not like it's some new news, you know. It's not like right. it's something that we, I remember when I was a kid and Barkley said he's not a role model. And I felt like that was a good statement as a child. I was like, because why should I be looking at this, this man who I don't know? <laughs> as a role model when I got my dad over here, you know, who, who I see every day or, you know, my uncles, you know, or my friends, fathers, you know, um, people who are actually tangible to me who actually can, you know, affect some type of change in my life. So I, I never felt like Barkley was wrong for saying that. And some of the other things that he did in his career, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to man up and not take things so personal, you know, um, I love LeBron. I'm a I'm a big LeBron fan, but I do feel like, you know, he, he went a little bit too low with that one, you know. Definitely. Um, I feel like he could I feel like he could have did the same he would have been just as effective hitting Barkley on his career strictly versus the personal stuff. Because, I mean Barkley's never won a championship. He doesn't have you know, so he could he could hit him on a lot of those issues versus going personal. Him going personal is like, yeah. He touched him. Barkley touched him up under his skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, and, and we'll, yeah. you know, maybe LeBron will apologize at some point in time. Maybe he won't. But I mean, at I mean, the end of the day, he's probably moved on. Yeah, he's probably moved on. He's yeah. not thinking about no Barkley, which is what it is. But everybody, but you have to also understand that Barkley still has a very uh, strong voice because. He is somebody who's known as a tell it as it is type of person. Right. Not tell you how you want it to be. And that's why people like Barkley because they say what you see is what you get. You don't have to be guessing what type of uh, person he is today. And, you know, he's never, like I said, as far as I've been following uh, Sir Charles (laughs) way back in the day, uh, I've never known him to just, you know, bite his tongue. Anytime he was in a, a conference, press conference, or on uh, TNT, you know, he says, he says what it is. And I, for one, I particularly like that because I like that people don't have – he has that filter that he doesn't, uh, you know, cover up, you know, because you want that because you have people that butter butter it up so much that when somebody actually comes through and is unapologetically themselves, it's like a breath of fresh air. 
And I think no that in today's uh, a lot of people, and LeBron being one of them. <laughs> Do you think, like, I've heard this being said, like, millennials, you know, millennials are, some people believe millennials are, are soft-skinned. You know, they, they, everything and every time somebody comes at them with any level of criticism, they're being a hater, they're hating, so on and so forth. Now, you're you're kind of in that generation on some level. Do, do you see that? Do you sense that? I do because, you know, uh, especially the, the, the ones that are younger, uh, not so much people in my, my generation, my age group. I mean, you have some, but a lot of them are younger because of what they've grown up with. You know, they, these kids nowadays, they – they grow up with the internet, you know what I'm saying? We didn't have any of that, you know? Um, so we had to, to be more uh, self-aware, you know, because we we had to uh, use that in order to get through and get around as opposed to having some sort of internet, you know, Instagram to kind of become somebody that you're really not, <laughs> you know, right. and, and having all this fake stuff and all that. So now the moment somebody says something about you, you take it personal, but you're not realizing that they just talking about whatever it is that they think they know about you based off of what you put out there, you know. Um, so I, I do feel like that there is a lot of insecurity uh, in these millennials uh, that more so than it was when I was coming up, you know. For sure. They just they just wear their heart on their sleeve, and it's like you know, it's a very sensitive time, and a lot of times it's not even about. Uh, the other person, it's just the times that we're in. And I, and I feel like the times that we're in has a, plays a big factor in that as well. You know, everything is, everybody is very hypersensitive right now. Um, Definitely. You know, because everything is just kind of just all over the place. So when you have that coupled with, you know, uh, insecurities and immaturity, this is what you're going to get. For sure, for sure. So fans... Make sure you check this man out each and every Tuesday on OWN at 9 p.m. Eastern on OWN. Check this man out on Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots. And if you're out there in the L.A. area, go hit this man up. Go to the website, Gust Wilson King Headley, ii.eventbrite.com. That's G-U-S-T. W-I-L-S-O-N-K-I-N-G-H-E-D-L-E-Y double I dot eventbrite.com and support all the great things going on with actor John Chafin. Also hit him up on Twitter at John Chafin. And again, support all the great things going on with actor John Chafin. So, John, at the end of the day, come Sunday around 10 o'clock, you gonna be partying like it's nineteen ninety nine? Man, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. I, I, I'm gonna try to not to tell my publicist's house with the joy and excitement as I'm jumping all over the place, but it's gonna be, a, it's definitely gonna be a, a celebration, a party because we're gonna take this W. I'm telling you right now, we're gonna all get right. this championship. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna hold. I kind of agree with you. I'm afraid I know to say it's it. Days, a little timid because it's Tom Brady and Belichick, and that's to be understood. I mean, we're talking about the greatest, you know, to do it. However, 
this particular game, I mean, that's the same thing they were talking about them when they were 18 and 0, 19 and 0, whatever, when they were going against New York. They were like, oh, man, this is the greatest team ever. They might be the better team since the 74 Dolphins. What happened? Went out there and lost. Tell <laughs> you, anything can happen sure. any given Sunday. For sure. It's most definitely going to be fun. Can't wait, man. John, appreciate it, man. Good luck with all that you Thank do. You. Let's do it again. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime. I appreciate you, Paul. Take care. Yes, sir. You too. You too. Actor John Chafin. Pleasure talking to him. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgame, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItCan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And support all the great things going on with Paul Gant. And go for it. Again, I like the Falcons 31 to 21, Matty Ice Super Bowl MVP. I want to thank John Chafin. I want to thank Philip Boyd. And make sure you check those guys out each and every Tuesday on our own Tyler Perry Sit Show, the haves and the have nots. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. See you later. We'll see you next week. See you later. Take care. Bye.